Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Welcome to another episode of Friends with Friends. My name's Pete Ellison. <laughs> it's Dave Cripp. Oh, is it? Why is it funny that I'm here? Well, it's just nice to have you in. Oh, great! Thanks. Yeah, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> How are we? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. Thanks. Bit of a bit of a long Monday, but all is well. What What happened? Just occasionally started getting the train home from work, which is fine because they're all empty. Oh yeah, sure. Um, but the the door came off the train, so what? The, yeah, the the side the like the door you get off on them. Apparently, yeah. So I had to wait for ages, <laughs> but I'm home now, and I didn't fall off the side of a moving train, so <laughs> it's a bonus. It's all right for me to say this because I am a northerner, but that sounds so northern. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Very low door budget northern train. trains. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, but there you go. Oh well, I'm glad you didn't fall off it, and you didn't. Oh, I was about to say you didn't get. Sucked out of the train. No, no. <laughs> change the wording. Uh, how are you? Uh, well, I, honestly, seconds before I pressed record, my dog farted something oh, rotten. No. So, like dogs do the worst farts. Don't Absolutely, they? yeah, potent. Absolutely, he's, he's had a bad day for it. Need a mask on. Yes, well, exactly. I don't know how that would affect. The sound quality, yeah, it's not great, is it? <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. Although it would be quite an authentic sort of of-the-moment experience if we both put masks on, because that is how people talk in public. Now, isn't well, it? absolutely. I mean, we've just we've just always been very careful with this podcast, haven't we? And we've yeah. just decided to do it hundreds of miles away from each other just to be safe. Yeah, ain't getting no rona from you. Absolutely not. Uh, should we talk about friends? Yes. Today's episodes, um, I think we should start, again, second week in a row, with an apology, <laughs> I just we, we we might need to do a sort of catch-all apology <laughs> from here on in because I, I worry the next few weeks are just going to be this. But yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So we asked people to remind us if we'd forgotten the episode they suggested, mm. um, and it's come to our attention that there's a, a I'd say a very small number of people, but significant all the same, yeah. uh, who we've overlooked for quite some time. But I think this has got to be a personal record of ours today, Dave. When did this person first send in their episode request? A whole six months ago. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. So, sorry to this person, but here is us making up for it. I can't even remember what I was doing in April, to be honest. I was just sitting at home doing nothing yeah, every day. very little. As soon as you sent me this one, though, I thought, we've got to, got to crack on with that this week, because it's a great reason for an episode, isn't it? Really is, yeah. Episode suggestion, the one with Monica's thunder. Reason, it is my least favourite episode. <gasps> I know. Now, normally we're in the business of celebrating friends here on this podcast, 
People choose their favourite episodes. That's all well and good. Ian's gone, flipped up the old format backwards, and hey, we're here for it. Let's slag one off for once. It shows each of the six friends at their absolute worst, says Ian. I think every one of them behaves appallingly. Be good to see if you agree. Love the pod, though. Oh, good. That's nice. At least, <laughs> at least somebody uh, is enjoying something from, from this message. So, um, yeah, season seven, episode one, the one with Monica's Thunder. Here's the Wikipedia synopsis. The gang prepares to celebrate Monica and Chandler's engagement when Monica opens the door to Ross kissing Rachel in the hall. She accuses them of stealing her thunder. Ross and Rachel had been planning a bonus night where two exes have a one-night stand. Meanwhile, Chandler has bedroom-related problems. Joey auditions to play a 19-year-old and Phoebe wants to play her guitar at Monica and Chandler's wedding. Now, I guess we will go through this as as we discuss each storyline, Pete, but I have to say, on first reflection, I kind of agree with Ian. Yeah, it's not a great look for any of them. I'd say the one that comes off okay and is largely just being herself is is Phoebe, really. But even she's being a bit annoying, isn't she? She does two things. She doesn't read the room at all on any level. No. And she also keeps making the situation worse throughout because it's basically her fault that they keep getting reminded of Ross and Rachel, isn't it? Yes, exactly. A classic old Friends bottle episode. Only the six actors in this one, and only the two apartments. Literally nothing else. Even even the one where no one's ready has that scene at the end, at the, at the dinner with all the other extras in the different uh, location. But this is very much just the basic set and the six main friends, which leads to a sort of... It's one of those episodes, isn't it, where everything's a bit interweavy, but there are separate storylines. So should we... I mean, should we tick off the aside ones, which are Phoebe and Joey, really, aren't they? Yeah, let's let's start with Joey, because Phoebe's a bit more involved in the plot, isn't she? Yeah, Joey's entire arc through this is that he's got an audition to play a 19-year-old, and also, alongside this, a entirely baffling running plotline about a candy bar. <laughs> yes, which doesn't feel very... Um... There's a bit where like a, a little a scene ends with, with it being clear that Phoebe's nicked it. And that doesn't really feel like a very frenzy sort of joke, does it? It, it feels... It's, I'd say, and I'd, I'd happily be corrected on this, but I think that is the worst punchline to a scene in all of Friends. Yeah, it might be. It's just, so basically, Joey's like, oh, have you seen the other half of my candy bar? Phoebe pretends that he's already eaten it all, and then she takes it out of her pocket. And it's like, oh, what's she like? She digs his chocolate bar. <laughs> yeah. And it just, feels a bit, it just feels a bit simple, doesn't it, for Friends? It feels incredibly simple. Yeah, I, I, there's a few moments in this that I think are, are quite weak, actually. And that is one of them. And uh, the, the whole candy bar sort of storyline is kind of weird, isn't it? It, it comes back three or four times. It's, it's at the start when Ross comes in and he says, oh, I got a note to come here and bring a whatever the bloody candy bar's called. I can never remember the 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 American chocolate that we don't have here, Pete. Three Musketeers bar. Uh, it is a candy bar consists of chocolate-covered, fluffy, whipped nougat. That's a Milky Way, isn't it's it? It's virtually identical to the global Milky Way bar. Oh, there you go. And similar to the American version of the Milky Way bar, only smaller and without the caramel topping. On the subject of this, did you see uh, somebody that left a review on our podcast this week or last week? No, what have they said? Well, their beef was mainly... Oh, no. It's basically, they're reviewing the one where we did the one with the blackout. Oh, they didn't know anything about the widespread blackouts from New York in the 90s. It's like... 
Yes. Well, I was like five, so... <laughs> I was eight, and famously, neither of us lived in New York. <laughs> so, what the... Feels like a bit of a, <laughs> feels like a bit of an unreasonable uh, of grievance, that does. They don't know as much as they like to think they know about Friends or New York. It's like, oh, just probably absolutely fair. How not? many stars did they give us? I think two and a half or three. It wasn't like, wasn't like a one star, but yeah. If someone could please comment and say that it's really clear from subsequent episodes that we know loads about the New York blackouts of the 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the thing I liked about this podcast but found most surprising was the in-depth knowledge the two hosts <laughs> had about the frequency and length of the blackouts in New York in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, that'd be great. Please that do sort that. Of thing. So it comes in because Ross brings Jerry a Three Musketeers bar. He somehow sets it down. Phoebe steals it. The whole thing makes it seem like a Three Musketeers bar is incredibly hard to come by, and therefore everyone's playing dastardly games with it. Do you know what I mean? To try and mm. to try and bag it, but very odd. And then it all resolves later when Joey smells Phoebe's breath and says, "You ate my candy bar." And then it's done. <sighs> yes, not my favourite storyline, Pete. I'll say that for you. I mean, it's not a classic, is it? <laughs> So the candy bar thing, Pete, isn't my favourite storyline, I'd say, but it's also very much not my least favourite storyline of even this episode, because Joey's scene where he's dressed with his underwear poking out the top of his pants and the basketball shirt on and the hat and all of that, and he's just going sup with the white PlayStation sup is is nightmarish with cringe, isn't it? It really is. It also really ages Joey. And I know the point is that, okay, he's not 19, but he's also not 50. Well... It, I, it was a strange one, wasn't it? Because I thought they all reacted a little harshly, if anything. Like, we all know, you know, we've all watched Greece, haven't we? John Travolta ain't 18. No. In Greece, no. he's 702. <laughs> so, in the world of acting and the world of Hollywood and the world of whatever it is, this happens all the time. I don't think it's particularly bizarre that a 31-year-old man would be playing a 19-year-old. Um, but it really, again, pushes Joey to this p- point of... I'd say dealing with it badly uh, and uh, sup with the whack PlayStation stuff is a very very memorable line isn't it but again it's just that whole bit is so bizarre and you've put yourself in Chandler's shoes there and you just think of my friends absolutely lost it this is the beginning of the end for Joey preferred part of that bit though is that Chandler's sat there playing Crash Team Racing (laughs) in a full suit yeah I often wear a suit when playing Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> Do you get uh, dressed up to to play on the PlayStation? That's that was a what a PlayStation One it'll have been, wasn't it? When, well, these in- days, Dave, you've got to make an occasion of things that would normally happen every day. So yeah, stick on a suit, play Crash Bandicoot. Why not? I've only worn jeans about six times in the last six months, and today was one of those times, and it still feels like quite the moment, you know? Yeah, yeah, getting dressed up. Absolutely, Joey's determined to look 19 absolutely doesn't look 19 and and again he keeps bringing it back i think this is what ian that requested the episode was sort of alluding to is that just let it go and he just keeps bringing the conversation back around to i could be 19 right every every sort of five or six minutes uh, and really hammering it home and it's you know that's joey's bad color in this isn't it the sort of needy egotistical side yeah needing for it to be about him when there's clearly bigger things going on many many bigger things as we'll come on to i do like the line from phoebe with joey where she talks about 
like softening the lines under Joey's eyes by putting <laughs> yeah. tea bags on for 15 minutes and then saying maybe just 10 minutes for you. That's that's a good one. It is a good one. It's a strange one though, isn't it? Because that comes directly after Phoebe's basically gone, your eyes are too wise. Yes. So I thought, I thought she was going the other way in, in the sense of Phoebe being like, you know, misdiagnosing, as it were, Joey's level of wisdom. But then she immediately flips on her head and goes, actually, no, you are pretty thick, aren't you? Talking of Phoebe, should we should we discuss Phoebe then? Let's discuss Phoebe with her guitar. I do like her her very passive aggressive songs throughout this. She wants to play at the wedding. Keeps hassling them with these passive aggressive and sometimes just plain aggressive songs, doesn't she? Until Joey basically says, "I don't think they're gonna let you play at the wedding. Uh, maybe you need to take a deposit." And this is, I presume, where Ian starts getting annoyed by Phoebe as well, because then Phoebe becomes, like you say earlier. She's just being herself, isn't she? But amidst the mix of them all being a bit awful in this episode, it really it really brings her up. There's one point when she bursts into Monica and Chandler's room. Well, they, they let her in, but she's very uh, aggressive with it. Uh, it. It's seconds after it's just been established that Chandler is uh, turned on, standing to <laughs> attention. And then he's just sat there on the bed while Phoebe chats to him. And I can't help but think Chandler's current state would would probably be quite distracting in that that situation there's a lot of um bad bedroom door etiquette in this i think i think in general we know they've got a lack of social boundaries but i imagine if you're at monica and chandler's apartment and they're just sort of pottering in the bedroom the door will probably be open if the the bedroom doors closed it probably means Give us some privacy, you yeah. an, you animals, doesn't they it? They might be getting changed, they might be doing anything. And and, and, and it's the same with for Rachel's bedroom where where people keep knocking on it and, and barging in and it just feels a bit like, guys, if the bedroom door's closed, it's probably for a reason, give them a sec. Leave them to it. And in Phoebe's case, like you say, she's literally interrupted the early offings of sex. And then later on, is just playing the guitar consistently outside their bedroom door whilst they're asleep or trying to get to sleep. I do love Phoebe's reaction when Chandler takes the guitar off her and it's that sort of, oh, 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 as he takes it away from her. Um, I do, uh, I think maybe we might, Ian might be being a little bit harsh on Phoebe here. I don't think she's too irritating. She's just being very Phoebe-y. Yeah, she is. And that comes in her sort of um, uh, naive excitement as well with the thunder, because she does play quite a role in the thunder being stolen doesn't she 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 keeps uh bringing it back up she's the first one initially where she bursts out and goes you guys kiss oh my god this is huge yeah. and she makes the situation worse but in fairness to her she wouldn't have known that monica felt that way initially so i think she is like you say just being a bit of classic phoebe isn't she let's come on to shall we monica and chandler before we come on to the thunder itself because again this is just like quite a bleak bit of Chandler, isn't it? Yes. It w- well, firstly, Chandler tells Ross that they're engaged and Monica isn't even in the room, which <laughs> yeah. when your future brother-in-law comes over to hear the news that you've got engaged, you probably wait till your future wife is there to share telling her brother. Yes, although in Chandler's defence, Monica has just been shouting it off the balcony. And there's that scene then, isn't there, where she keeps saying my night, my wedding instead of ours. So I I wonder if Chandler is just using any opportunity he can to be part of the conversation. Which is, I think it's an early warning sign that you're in for an annoying Monica episode when she is 
immediately on the balcony shouting. Yeah, when I read the request from Ian and he said it's everyone at their worst and the first scene was Monica just shouting, I'm engaged, I'm engaged, come and fight me, come and fight my fiancé from the balcony. I was like, oh, yep, I I see what he means. (laughs) The main bit of Monica and Chandler's storyline comes in Chandler's inability to get it up, as it were. I think one line in this which I've never fully understood is it joey saying i did it anyway yes (laughs) so i know that the joke is that joey doesn't understand what chandler's on about but what does he think chandler's on about because so chandler goes to joey for advice saying have you ever been in this situation and what did you do in that situation and joey's reply is i did it anyway there's not many things they can be talking about he he can't he, he he can't do it anyway like that doesn't like, did he just thumb it in? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> oh, Peter! I don't understand Peter. what. I don't understand what he meant. Thumb it in. <laughs> this used to be a respectable podcast. Two and a half stars. <laughs> they don't know much about the blackouts in mid nineties New York, and they use the phrase "thumb it in" far too much for my liking. <laughs> but it, I just, I don't understand. I understand that. The joke is Joey doesn't get it. Right. Well, but I don't yeah. know what Joey thinks Chandler's saying. What can they possibly be talking about apart from that? And what might have only happened to Joey once of in, within that sort of ballpark of what they perceive as embarrassing sexual behaviour? Do you know what I mean? Yes, I know what you mean. The whole thing is kind of weird, though, isn't it? Because And I, and I feel like if you're doing a proper like deep dive on the analysis of the depiction of masculinity and blah, blah, blah in Friends. This is not its finest moment, is it? Because Chandler is, we're led to believe, around 31 at this age, right? Mm-hmm. And he's talking to his friends about this problem. Like, it's the most unfathomable thing that could ever happen to a man, and it's clearly never happened to him before. And the way he's talking about it it really feels like, oh, not a real man if you can't do that, are you? Once in your life. And clearly, like Joey, it's only happened to once before as well. And, you know, without wishing to give too much about myself away, Peter. Oh, God. I don't know. No, but I would suggest that it's... Well, I know, because I've chatted to my friends about this. It's it's not a completely irregular occurrence, you know? No. No, no, no. That's fair. We're all adults here, aren't we? Yeah, we're all adults. We can all discuss this in a grown-up way. Yeah. We've all thought about thumbing it in as a stop. See, I wouldn't have gone that low if you hadn't initially done it. Can I well, just lay the blame at your door? I think it was just important to highlight the difficulty in understanding what Joey had done. Um, the, the interesting thing about the timing of uh, his problem is that him and Monica are clearly making out. He's in his informal clothes. And then the next thing we see is Monica chasing him out of the bedroom, which you would believe would be sort of pretty soon after the problem had happened, you know? Yeah. But he's in a full suit. He's fully dressed up whilst in his embarrassment, you know? By the way, engagement night, not a thing, right? Oh, the whole scenario in the first place, you mean? Yes, like engagement party to some extent, sure. Um, But... And in, do do people even have engagement pies? Like I do, I don't think I've ever been to it. Maybe I've just not been invited. <laughs> I I don't think engagement parties are very common. Uh, people, Maybe some like, people uh, do uh, have them, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I'd suggest that this is just more of a continued 
example of their bizarre social dynamic because I'd I'd imagine ninety nine point nine percent of engagement nights is just the couple. Yes, that's what I would think it would be. Yeah. Like the night you get engaged, you go out for dinner, you celebrate, bam. But every time they get engaged on Friends, be it Ross and Emily or be it Chandler and Monica, they immediately rush to someone else's house to sort. You know, I think if you were Emily, for example, when Ross drags her into the apartment and goes, "Oh my God, guys are engaged," you'd be like, "We could have just made this a bit more romantic, mate. Like, why don't we just celebrate that ourselves? Do we have to go and tell five people I don't really know?" Do you know what I think is Monica's worst moment in this episode? I think it's when she plays the "I don't really feel like going anymore" card and goes to get changed out of her dress. It's like, oh, don't ruin the whole night just to be dramatic. Like, it's fine. Get over it. Go out. Right. Exactly. I. Yeah, and we'll come on to this in a second when we discuss the thunder. But predominantly. I think Monica is in the right for this episode, but the way she handles it is poor. Oh, yeah, there's one point where she's she's really, really vicious to Rachel at one point. And mm. I do I understand why she's upset, because Rachel getting with her brother on that night. Okay, unreasonable. But Monica says something like, um, maybe you can't stand the fact that your formerly fat friend is getting married before you. And yeah. it's like, ooh, that's a bit... That's genuinely quite vicious. It is, isn't it? It's real. It's a real sort of knife into Rachel's emotional anxiety at that, at that stage, isn't it? Oof, on that quite bleak note, should we have some adverts? <laughs> yes, let's go for some ads. Hello, I'm Chris England, and I'm here to tell you about the Fun Factory podcast, available now on Great Big Owl. Each time, I will be reading a couple of chapters of my novel, The Fun Factory, a historical comedy about the history of comedy, so it will kind of be like a free audiobook, which you can listen to at the gym, or jogging, or at your desk while pretending to do your job, or on the train, without the embarrassment of people seeing you actually reading a book like some kind of SWAT. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Right, to the thunder then. 
Is this where Stealing Thunder came from? No, surely not. Did Monica invent Stealing Thunder, or is that long to think? Because I think I only ever heard of it from this. Let the, me Google. Yeah. Um. No, comes from Macbeth, <laughs> which, which I think. Hang on, I think, hang on no, I'm just checking the dates. I'm just checking the dates. I, I think Macbeth came before Friends. Yeah, hang on. I might be wrong. 2001, this episode. Hang on, 19. Yeah, Macbeth is just a bit earlier. Just a bit earlier. Oh, there you go. Two and a half stars. Poor knowledge of Shakespeare. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, hang on. The idiom comes from the peevish dramatist John Dennis. Early in the... Oh, no, hang on. It's not Macbeth. Uh, In the 18th century, after he conceived a novel idea for a thunder machine for his unsuccessful play and later found it used at a Macbeth performance, so somebody stole the thunder machine. Oh, it's, it's a literal thunder machine. Yes, yes. Somebody quite literally stole his thunder machine. I so, tell you what, we are actually learning stuff today, aren't we? This is like QI. Basically, they turned down his play, but kept his thunder machine, and he was annoyed. And by thunder machine, is that like a, a weather a, we, a weather sim simulator? You know, like a snow oh, machine. Oh, I don't. So, 18th century. So that's 1700s, isn't it? So yeah, this is. Oh yeah, this is definitely not a new French thing. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think we'd established that by now. A thunder sheet, Dave, which is what he was referring to, yeah. is a thin sheet of metal used to produce sound effects for musical or dramatic events. Okay, so it's like so an, it's old like sound an early, yeah, early drum kit type thing, early symbol, an early drum kit type thing. Well, there you go. That's where the phrase "stealing my thunder" comes from, ladies and gentlemen. Basically, it's really old. <laughs> uh, it is old, and Monica Geller did not invent the phrase "stealing my thunder." <laughs> That's Not what we decided. All. Not by some 300 years. Um, where were we? Oh, sometimes it's very hard to tell, isn't it? Well, we're going into Rachel and Ross, aren't we? Yes, Rachel and Ross and the Thunder being stolen. Like you said, I think this is quite a fun Ross episode in general. He has loads of good lines. Here are some of them that I've written down. Initially, Ross and Rachel are talking, and Rachel says something like, can you believe they're getting married? And Ross says, oh, sure, but I get married all the time. <laughs> Great start. Big fun. Later on, uh, <laughs> when Ross says, "Oh, I'm calling it off." I don't. I don't think us getting together is a is a very good idea. I'm calling it off. The way he delivers that and his facial expression. I'm calling it off. Yeah. <laughs> and Chandler's reaction to that is great. And then <laughs> David Schwimmer in the scene at the end of this whole segment, where initially Monica says, "I'm sorry, I almost made you sleep with Ross." Yes. Ross, his face there is so wonderful, and then he follows it up. With that sort of, I'm going to take off, which is really well delivered. And then his final gambit of, the only person that's going to enjoy these bad boys is me. And I guess early, well, start of, this is the first episode of season seven, isn't it? So we are getting into um, real sort of late hysterical, yeah, uh, higher pitched, funnier Ross, aren't we? Yeah, this is, I, I, for me, this is some of the best Ross era before, because I'm not as keen on him going absolutely mad towards the end. And obviously he's much less annoying than he was at the start. So I really like this sort of uh, happy-go-lucky version of Ross, you know? Because he's very self-aware at this stage that the only person enjoying these bad boys is me. He realises, he goes, (laughs) you know, he he has his moment, doesn't he, of being very self-aware about it and just going, yeah, okay, I'm out of here. The other moment that he is self-aware about is there's that bit when they're in the corridor and Ross and Rachel are talking about what their relationship was like and when they broke up and how they never had what Rachel says is a bonus night. And there's this rare bit of recognition that they 
weren't actually that happy. Right. Because Ross says that he and Rachel were a nightmare. And then even for Rachel, the only good thing that Rachel can remember about their relationship, the only example she uses is their sex. And apart from that, she doesn't really have anything that great to say about it. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Two things from that. One, like you say curious that they do end up together because <laughs> they've clearly both admitted we were not a good match yeah. <laughs> like we're all admitting that now aren't we uh, but in three years we'll be together forever also wouldn't you have discussed the fact that you enjoy sex with each other before now <laughs> yes it shouldn't have been a shock to them at this point that their <laughs> no. sex was mutually enjoyable yeah very strange isn't it um but yeah i mean so the whole this whole thundery bit starts because again much like chandler rachel's being a whiny little so-and-so isn't she yes absolutely like i feel like she has a moment where she's like oh i'm just feeling a bit bleak about it and that's absolutely fine i'm feeling a bit like sad for myself but ultimately thunder sheet wise monica's (laughs) absolutely right this is not your night rachel you got there's time for that later just let your friend enjoy their night you know there's also the bit where they are found in a corridor and they look absolutely horrified to have been found despite kissing in a very public place in a hallway that their friends infamously regularly pass through. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they don't... They, they bring it on themselves, this, don't they? The whole thing. Absolutely. What I would say is, there's a lot of talk about them having sex that night without them saying it so much. But also, at the exact same time, almost no sexual chemistry. No, I agree. I mean? You don't feel like there's any sort of heat or like anticipation there. They're just basically going, oh, oh, well, maybe, mm, maybe we should, you know? And that's, that's that entire scene in the corridor before they, like when Monica opens that door and we know what's happening because we've seen it 10,000 times, but it's a kind of a surprise they are making out because <laughs> there's no real sexual energy there at all in the scene before it. No, it does feel very much like two friends just chatting and then suddenly, for some reason, they're getting with each other. Yes, exactly. Um, as we said before, Monica deals with it quite badly, even though I do, you know, ultimately I am on her side in this Thunder thing, like, leave that for the rest of the night. But also, Monica could have just got on with it, couldn't she? She could have seen it and gone, what are you guys doing? And they'd have been like, oh shit, sorry, don't worry, well, all the She best. was the only one that saw, yeah. so if they kept it down and were chatting about it a bit quieter, Phoebe would never have heard and this would never have happened. I just feel like Monica also loses the sort of moral high ground when the only real other example of Rachel stealing a thunder is at her 16th birthday party. I mean, yes. Christ, talk about reaching. Really should be over it. You know I mean, like this is 16, 15, 16 years ago when you're teenagers, is this really the, like, oh, not again? Do you remember when you snogged a boy when we were 16? I feel like that's the point at which Monica loses the sort of, uh, the grown-up stance, as it were, you know? Yeah, get over it. Get over it. I think get over it is a good tagline for this entire episode. They all just need to get over it and crack on. Well, Ross has a lot of good moments in this episode, but he also has one continuously iffy moment and one very, very iffy moment i'd say the continuously iffy moment is the fact that he's just continuously trying to sleep with rachel when she's clearly not even thinking about it on yeah. any level once that Bit moment too enthusiastic passed, he keeps basically going, oh, oh, sex, sex sex sexy sexy sex times is it and she's i mean it's so obvious that she's like no like this is not what this is about anymore but that all comes to a culmination when rachel says i'm just going to get changed 
and Ross sits on the bed, settling in to watch. He, he doesn't just sit, he sort of strides and lays across the bed in a bit of a paint, I mean, like one of your French girls. He lounges way, he? back, doesn't he? Like he's on a chaise longue. It's really odd. And she goes, am I going to let you watch me get changed? And he immediately is like, no, obviously not. But what a strange decision on his behalf in the first place to just go, you get changed, cool, cool, cool. I'll probably, where would I... Why would I normally sit to watch my friends get changed uh, on the bed? Yeah, this'll do. I'll just lie back and get ready for the show. It's very odd, isn't it? Uh, And it all comes to the sort of culmination when Rachel admits that she is sad, which, I mean, Monica says it in a vicious way, but it's kind of what Monica said earlier, isn't it? It's basically Monica said, maybe... She is jealous, yeah. Yeah, maybe you're not dealing with this very well. And Rachel basically goes, yeah, I'm not really dealing with it very well. Um, And I'm sad and, you know, I'm really happy for you and I'm sorry. And there's a sort of nice, sweet moment, and then I almost sorry. I'm sorry, I almost made you sleep with Ross. Is a very nice tension breaker in that. Really brings out David Schwimmer's excellent uh, mannerisms and reactions, doesn't it? So, are we writing this off as a terrible episode? Um, I don't think it's a classic. I wouldn't, well, and a hand haven't hurried to watch it much in general. You know, wouldn't be one I go. Oh, do you know what I want to watch the one with Monica's Thunder again? If we're at that stage now, how terrible are future episodes of Friends with Friends going to be? Well, here, yes. I mean, we are going to get to the are going to get to the point where we're in the <laughs> the bad ones, aren't we? We'll, we'll leave that thought with you. <laughs> we will. We will. We will cover them. I mean, this podcast doesn't end, Pete, until we cover every single episode of Friends. Yeah, for years. Um, the last thing to note about this episode, on a factoid level, and to place it in. The world of showbiz, timeline-wise, uh, is that... So, obviously, this follows on immediately from the end of season six, doesn't it? Where Monica and Chandler get engaged. Like, mm. this is the same night, and everyone's come over. Uh, but they all look remarkably different, don't they? Yes, they do. Because it was filmed four months later. Big gap, yeah. yeah because uh, And this is because Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt were getting married. Oh, really? In that little gap there, so... Um, well, I'm sure that'll turn out well. Well, exactly. A happy ending for Rachel after all. She did get married to Brad Pitt, and they lived happily ever after. See you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. 
That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.